We are moving and continuing in our series called The Oldest Trick in the Book. And the Lord has this funny thing of having me preach about stuff. Like, like there's, a t- there's, there's stuff that you preach that you, like, like you're, you like have victory over, right? And then there's things that you preach that you currently, you know, are crucifying. Like pride, like two weeks ago. I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not like completely, you know, victorious in this area. It's an area that, that constantly is trying to get its little paws into my, into my life. Well, the second one, I'm like, okay, okay, thanks, God. So I'm like, <laughs> so, so we're going to talk about one of the oldest tricks in the book, titled this message, Pastor Joy had a nice soft one for us <laughs> last week, so hopefully your, your, hopefully your, your tush felt cush, but this week we're going to get into it a little bit. Yep, oh, they're writing it down, aren't they? Yep, aren't <laughs> you writing it down? <laughs> we have scribes <laughs> in our church, by the way. The title of this message is called Lust, Feed It or Fight It. Feed It or Fight It. And what makes me nervous about preaching about this, and so this is, please pray for me for, for the, obviously, the kids camp, but, but I have, a, I have a, a, a track record of, of when I preach about something, a lot of times that area that I preach about, the enemy will attack me in. Like if I'm preaching on faith, guess what, ha- guess what I get attacked in that week? It's like unbelief and, da- and all this other stuff. You know, I'm preaching about pride, and then what's happening? Man, that pride thing gets tested, you know, and I'm bragging everybody all the stuff that I'm doing for Jesus. And so pray for me, because I don't want, we can stay away from lust, right? Amen. Come on. So if you were to look up the, the uh, term lust, let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word, and that's what we want. God, we want to preach your word today. God, uh, out of obedience to your word, and God, we want to walk in humility and grace, and we want to walk in victory, and Lord, we believe that, Father, that your word is powerful, it's living and active, and God, it has the ability to separate, God, uh, all of the fleshly things in our life, and that's what this whole uh, message is about, is, is talking about those things. So we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you were to look up lust on the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. Anybody still use that? Anybody use that, the dictionary? Online, yeah, yeah, right, right? Use it online. So if you were to look that word, if you were to bust out that big old book, it would say something like this. It would say, strong sexual desire, a crave, an appetite, or desire for self-indulgent sexual desire. It also is, too, it also is just to have an eager passionate, especially inordinate or sinful desire. How do you like that? It says that right there in the, in the, in the dictionary, huh? And then it says covetousness. Say that with me. I underline that. Say, it's a big word. Covetousness, right? Isn't that how you say it? Who can say that word? Is that a tongue twister for some people? <laughs> okay, good. Good, I, good, good. All right, yeah. Thanks, God, for that word, because that's big. Okay. Thanks, thanks, English language. Number three, so uh, that's crave, hunger, thirst, starve, a strong desire, or drive. So, so he's giving us these different types of, of options of what lust is. Usually when we hear the word lust, we immediately think of a sexual drive or sexual desire or passion in that context. But it's also talking about us having this desire inside of us to want something that's not ours. And also, it gives us a little bit of a, a, a little example in this crave, thirst, or desire. 
Because there's other things we can lust for. You can lust for power. We can lust for money. We can lust for those type of things. And so right there, it gave a little example right there. And it said lust for power because there's some people, they, they, they're power hungry, right? They want, they, want to be, they want to be in control. Why do people want to be in control? A lot of times I think people want to be in control is because they feel like their own life is out of control. So they want to control you. <laughs> I can't control myself, but I'm going to control you. How about you control yourself? Self-control. That's the only control in the Bible. Come on, somebody. Say amen. It doesn't say neighbor control. It doesn't say spousal control. It says self-control. So if you're to look it up also in the Easton Bible Dictionary, you should also have multiple sources if you want to look up words. It says it's the origin of sin. The origin. The inward in which led to the falling away from God. So what it's saying is it is the original sin. What does that mean? What's the, what does anybody, what's the original sin? Blurt it out. Adam and Eve. Yeah, right. Come on. Right. Right from the beginning. What did it say? It said that when she saw it, that it was pleasing to the eye. So, so um, we, we believe, you know, we, believe that it wasn't an apple, even though that's usually the illustration of what it's like. Because there's no apple that's going to make a woman desire <laughs> to throw it all away over that. My wife, in her brilliant expertise, believes it was like an ice cream tree or a chocolate tree, <laughs> you know, or something in that context that would actually cause a woman to say, I want that. You know what I mean? So, so, so for illustrational purposes, we'll say that maybe it was like one of these little mints. You know, it's dangling there. You know, it's going in the wind, and you hear the little crisp little sound of the wrapper. And so she went up to it, and she's probably sniffing it, and she took a bite out of it. And so what was it? It wasn't, right, wasn't pride, right? It wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't like wrath. It was, it was lust. It was a thing that she desired that, that was, she was not supposed to have. And that's kind of the, the basis of this, and that's why it's the, it's the origin of sin. It's where we started from. So uh, the primary uh, verse that I want to talk about today, and we're going to break down some of these, these, these parts, is found in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. So go ahead. You can turn your Bible there. And as you're turning your Bible there, we'll give you a moment Nobody, um, I see some people still turning their, turning their pages. We'll give you a second. It'll be on the screens as well. All right, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. We're reading this in the NIV. <laughs> Thank you for that little courtesy laugh. I, don't, I think that was kind of corny. The NIV, obviously, is the new international version. <laughs> what is the NIV? Verse 15, it says, do not love the world or anything in the world, period. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. Amen, let's pray. <laughs> Preach. For everything in the world, and then it gives us some examples, and these are the three things. We're going to talk about two of these three. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, <laughs> well, I talked about pride two weeks ago, and now we're talking about these other two. Come not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. 
That's a hard statement, isn't it? Whoever loves the world, it says the love of the Father is not in them. And then it gives us some, some examples of what the love of the world might look like. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. So what is the lust of the flesh? Well, we went to, you know, obviously some resources, and we've got a nice, beautiful description of what that is for you. The lust of the flesh is the temptation to feel physical pleasure from some sec- sinful activity. I'm at, I was about to say sexual, but no, it's sinful activity. So it's physical pleasure from a sinful activity. Now it can be, it includes sexual, but it also can include stuff like drug addiction, alcoholism, sorcery, gluttony, physical violence, materialism, uh oh, about to get y'all, gossip. Hmm, nice and quiet. And idolatry. So talking about the flesh, this has to do with something that makes the flesh feel satisfied. Say satisfied. Okay, and it can involve any of these type of sinful activities that will bring pleasure to your body. And so sexual sin, you know, doing drugs, alcoholism, gluttony, violence. There's people that 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 is their thing like like they get off on physically harming others. Like that is their thing. That's why that's why the scripture I mean talks in numerous occasions it talks about violence and that type of thing, right? Gossip, man. Ooh. Gossip. I think that's probably the one that's a little bit uh untouched. Because we, we tend to think it's, it's, a, it's a weaker sin. It's a lesser sin. I'm not gossip. I'm just informing all my brothers and sisters. I want them to pray. <laughs> hey, priest, please pray for Fred. You know, he's really struggling with this re- relationship with his wife right now. Really? Gosh. I said Fred because I don't think there's a Fred in here, <laughs> right? And if there's a Fred online, my bad. I wasn't talking about you for real. <laughs> for real, I wasn't talking about you. Yeah, I, you know, I got to preface that because I'm telling you, friends, in 20 plus years of ministry, there's time I'm preaching and I'll give examples or even just praying. I've had people say, "Why, Pastor? Why were you preaching about me? I wasn't preaching about you. You weren't even in my brain. I wasn't even thinking about you. That must have been the Holy Ghost trying to get a hold of you." Because I'm, I don't do that. I'm not going to use the pulpit as a means to rebuke you. You like, like that's. You know, I mean, if, if, I, if somebody in here has an issue, you're supposed to go to them privately, right? 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 Like if Maddie is, is talking about, about me behind my back, I'm not going to be like, you know, gossip and then like look right at her in her face, right? For all those haters like to talk about me behind my back, gossip, you know, like you don't know. No, I don't do that. <laughs> so if you ever are in a service and you feel like myself or Pastor Joy are talking about you, we're not, I promise you. We're not that good, we're not that smart, and we're not that clever, and we're not that mischievous. We don't, we're not gonna, we don't, we're not gonna use this as a way of bringing a, a public rebuke to you in your own personal life. That's not, that's that's abuse of power. That's a lust power, you know. No, so continuing on away from that, Galatians chapter five gives us kind of um, 
more examples of what we would consider as lust of the flesh. Say lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh. So Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19 through 21, we're going to read it in the old school New King James Version. Old school New King James. That's an oxymoron if I've ever heard it, right? <laughs> verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Say evident. Which are, and they're not really all that evident in the church now because the church likes to stay away from preaching against sin, right? We need to be preaching Christ and him crucified. That's right, preach the whole word. There's the promises of word, and those are nice to preach, but we also got to preach the fullness of the word, amen? Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery. Does anybody, I mean, we'll, just, we'll just take each one and we'll take a minute to make sure that all of us know what each of these are. Adultery, what's adultery? Cheating on your spouse, exactly. Okay, fornication, what's that? Yep, you have yep, sexual intimacy before marriage. Uncleanness, what's that? Being dirty. <laughs> Precisely, right? But in a spiritual sense, yeah, right, right? I mean, the scripture talked about different things that they would participate that would make them unclean, right? So, lewdness, ooh, here's a big word, lewdness. What's lewdness? Ooh, yeah, there we go. Yep, perversity, yep, being inappropriate. It's like, it's like crude sexual jokes, like that type of stuff, okay? Idolatry, what's that? Worshiping something other than God. What would you say is the main, the main idolatry in America? Oh, we had a bunch of, wait, 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 we had, we had money, TV, cell phones. I'm going to agree with that one. I'm going to say self. I'm going to say self-idolatry is probably the biggest you know, that, and then from that, we money and cell phones and stuff, but we've created, I, uh, you know, and the America's idols are not made of wood and bronze. America's idols are self. And then from that come everything else. Yep. Sorcery. What's that? Right. Right. I don't even know what that was. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You guys getting sucked up by a by an alien. <laughs> Sorcery. Um, hatred. Obviously, that's, you know, we know what hatred is, right? We, right? Contentions. There's another big word. What's contention? Yeah, being argumentative all the time, right? Do you, do you know that person? Like, every time you have something to say to them, they want to argue to you about that, right? Like, that's contention, right? Like, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> So like, yeah. I know. <laughs> everybody looks at a certain someone. Contentions. Jealousies. We know what that is, right? You guys know what jealousy is? Right? You're like, well, how come they get all the attention? How come they get all the stuff, right? Uh, outbirths of wrath. You know what that is, right? Outbirths of wrath. Selfish ambitions. Somebody explain that to me. What's a selfish ambition? Right, it's you know the cool the thing about a selfish ambition is a selfish ambition can be clothed in something that actually looks good, but but in essence it's all done because the person wants attention. It's a, for a selfish reason, so they may do something that looks good, but it's all because they want praise from man and pat on the back. 
I mean, Jesus talked about that. He said, you say these loud prayers in front of all to see, and you do all this, and you all this, and he's like, and you've received your reward in full. <laughs> no thank you, selfish ambition. No thanks. Okay, dissension, what's that? What's a dissension? Basically, another word like contentions, it's strife or disagreement. It's kind of, you, you, you'll notice that the that NKJV, you know, when they're, when they're translating from uh, the Greek, you know, they, there's certain words and they have to use multiple words sometimes to, you know, what this one word, which means like two or three words. So they're, you know, so they're, they're doing their best to, so that's why it may sound like there's some words that are kind of real similar the same. Okay. Yeah. Heresy. What's a heresy? Heresies. So it's saying, it says the work of the flesh or heresy. Heresies. Heresies. A heresy is a belief that is contradictory to your Christian faith. Okay, that's, that's the simplest way of doing it. So there's a belief that is contrary to your Christian belief. So if, you're, if I'm over here and I'm teaching things that are heretical, then I'm teaching things. Like if I was to say, you know, stuff like, you know, Jesus is not really the son of God. He was really Michael the archangel reincarnate. That would be considered a heresy, right? Yeah, because that's not what the scripture tells us, right? And I just told you actually something that an actual belief group actually believes. So, uh, envy, what's that? Jealous, yeah, kind of same thing. Murder, what's that? Let me show you. No, no. <laughs> Sorry, I know. Sometimes I, I just like to sometimes just bring humor into, you know, when you're getting like, when the Lord's kind of slapping you around, it's always good to add a little bit of, you know, spoonful of sugar helps the medicine. Oh, see, I'm an 80s kid. Yep. Yeah. Come on. That's the old school stuff. Right? Envy, murders, drunkenness. Here's another one. Rivalry. What's a rivalry? A rep- I said rivalry. <laughs> Rivalries are of the devil. No, they're not. They're fun. Uh, revelry. Sorry. Rev- so, thank, you, thank you for that correction. Revel. What's a revelry? It's like a party, but, that, but a party that has like Lots of drunkenness and, and alcohol and like, 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 like huge, like, you know, so, so that's, a, that's, a, that's a revelry, not a rivalry, right? My wife and I, we have rivalries. No, we don't. Um, it says, and of the like. <laughs> so, so then he just kind of, then he just kind of blankets like, and anything that looks like any of these things. <laughs> that's kind of funny. It says, and he says, of which I tell you beforehand just as, just as I also told you in times past. So he's saying, I'm reminding you of something that I've already told you. He said, and this is where, this is where it gets touchy right here, friends. Those who practice, say practice. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Come on, that's the word, friends. That's the word. There's, 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 two, there's two set of scriptures that give, that give an examples of, of sin, of how we're not to live. Galatians chapter 5, uh, Corinthians chapter 6. And both of those have that phrase at the end, will not inherit the kingdom. So it's not like, hey, you do these type of sins and then, you know, you ask for forgiveness and God. No, but it says, but if you continue, if you participate, if you're continually acting in this way, like if, I, like if I'm murdering people all the time, I will not inherit the kingdom of God, right? <laughs> God might forgive once or, you know, <laughs> that's why, you know, 
since God hates, you know, since God hates divorce, he doesn't never say he hates murder. So I said, honey, we don't believe in in divorce, but I do believe in murder. So So bad, right? Way to twist the scriptures, right? (laughs) God hates divorce, but he doesn't hate murder. No, I'm just joking. No, that's right. I was murdered. (laughs) All right. So that's the lust of the flesh. Um, now we're going to get into the second part, the lust of the eyes. And this is probably, uh, will hit home more in, you know, if you don't, you know, maybe if you don't practice on some of the things where you're, maybe you're feeding your flesh, there's things where we actually feed the, the windows of our soul. So lust of the eyes, you guys ready for this? Lust of the eye is a sinful desire to possess what we see or to have the things which are visually appear appealing. Can't talk today. It includes visualization, fantasizing about things forbidden by God, coveting, and desiring to look at it. Examples may include, and then we talked about some, like people were talking about these things, money, right? Material possessions, houses, what? Have you ever looked at somebody's house and be like, man, we're going to get into that for a minute because there's a scripture about that. Cars, have you ever looked at like, man, they got such a sweet ride. Do you guys call it a ride? Yeah. See, in the, that's a sweet ride. What would you, what would you say? Car. Whip. I, see, I was going to say whip, but I don't think people, I don't think, I don't think people whip. Yeah, it's called a whip. Yeah, yeah. Check my new whip. Yes, yep. Certain physical appearance. Whoa, that's something to think about. Yeah, like like you have like a lust of the eye is a where you have a sinful desire of of wanting to have a physical appearance. I mean, why why are these plastic surgeons and stuff becoming rich and you know and and all of the you know think of nothing wrong with health. But think of like all of the, the health, uh, you know, vitamins and all these different things that are just like become, have become millions, maybe even billion dollar industries because there's this, there's this American desire to want to look a certain way, right? Like if you're a man, if you don't look like a, like a superhero, then, then you're less than a man, right? And if you're a woman and if you don't look like a supermodel, you're less than a woman. And, and that whole lie that we're being spewed, come on, someone right? Or looking at someone lustfully. So like that's at the end of it, right? So there's all of these other things that we can lust after with our eyes and also obviously very much so uh, looking at a person with lust. So this is why um, one of my absolute um, heroes, oh, no, I'm not going to talk about him yet. Or am I going to? I'm going to talk about him yet? Hold on. Sorry, I got lost in my, I started talking, I got lost in my, uh, oh, no, 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 okay, I know what I was going to talk about. Yep, okay, yeah, yeah. So I, I put Exodus and then my brain uh, with the, I'm going to go here, but not here yet. Um, so just talking about like coveting, right, uh, and desiring to look at it, it's one of the reasons why it tells us in Exodus, remember I said I'm going to talk about this, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, it talks about coveting. Now, this is very interesting Check this out. What is the very first thing that it says not to covet after? Your neighbor's house. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? 
It's so interesting because, really, to be quite honest, if you knew your neighbor's wife, you're like, no, I don't want her. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Just joking. It's interesting because what, what is that like? What did we say, like, keeping up with the Joneses? Right? We, there's all these things. The grass looks greener on the other side of the fence. And what it is, is it's, it's this whole pull of you seeing what your neighbor has and, and what, they, what, what, what their house, their stuff, their wife, and you're like, I want that. I want that house. I want that spouse. I want that male servant <laughs> or female servant. <laughs> I mean, what, I mean, wouldn't you just like to sit back and relax and have somebody just like do all your work for you? Yeah, they're called children, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, just kidding, just kidding. Right, right? Ox or donkey, let's translate that to a modern-day equivalent, a vehicle, right? Maybe their, their whip, maybe their boat, right? Maybe their motorcycle, or anything that is your neighbor's. So it says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor shall you covet your neighbor's wife, nor shall uh, his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. I encourage you, friends, to look up that verse in the King James Version. You will get a nice little smile. Don't have to do it now. Do it later. But look it up. It'll give you, a, it, you'll get a nice little smile. It, it, it is only found in the King James Version. Okay. So, so if you want. And, <laughs> so. I don't know you guys are looking it up. So. It, uh, it, well, uh, it's another, another word for donkey. <laughs> so. So it's, so it's just funny in the context of the way that it says it, you know. In our modern-day vernacular, you know, we don't use that term to mean donkey. So, so if you're coveting after your neighbor's rear end, it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't know. Come on, someone. That's, that's funny right there. That's hilarious. I don't even have to make jokes. The Bible, you know, translation will get, get to you. I'm t- you know, I remember when I read... Uh, uh, in, when I was in Bible school and we read, um, it says, it says I, will, I will cut off Jeroboam like him that P-I-S-S-T-H-eth <laughs> on the wall. I remember reading that in Bible school and dying. I'm like, first off, why is he peeing on the wall? And secondly, <laughs> why are they cutting that off? Like, you know, so, <laughs> that's right. Like, come on, that's the word. And it's in the King James Version. It's the Bible, friends. I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, I remember us Bible students cracking up like, that's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> so immature. I'm still immature. I'm still immature. Why did I even tell you that? Look that up, too. That, so, look that up, too. All right. So, Covet is to have a yearning or a strong desire to have something that is not yours or belong to someone else. And the scripture, actually, there is a coveting that actually is okay. Paul says that we are to covet after spiritual gifts. So coveting in itself, it's matter, it matters like when you have a strong desire for, when you have a strong desire for material possessions, things, 
that are not yours, this, that, and the other, obviously that's in a negative context. But if you are coveting after the things of God, like you richly desire, you know, the spiritual gifts and the, and the uh, fruits of the Spirit and wanting to live after God, that's what Paul says. He says, earnestly desire, another translation, covet after the spiritual gifts. So there's a positive appetite you can have. Say, I have a positive appetite. Look at your neighbor say, I have a positive appetite. Or if you don't, I want a positive appetite, right? We want to hunger, not after things of the flesh. We want to hunger after God and hunger after the things of God. Amen. Come on. Come on, Bishop Bob. Hunger after righteousness. Lust of the eye, we talked about all the things that that includes. Um, all the, you know, the recognition, visual appeal, all that stuff. Lust is something uh, that the devil will tempt each and every one of us with, and we can either take the bait or we can fight after it, right? It's kind of because, we, you know, there's an old saying, look but don't touch, right? You remember that saying? Look but don't touch. But that saying goes against what Jesus taught us over 2,000 years ago. It says, to look is to lust, right? Right? So you look, so, so we, so we want to do our best to not look. The Lord has blessed you with this beautiful thing that connects your head to the rest of your body. It's called a neck, right? And the scripture actually tells us to turn away from sin, right? Have you ever like looked away from a person? Have you ever like, like, and then looked away? Probably your spouse every day. No, probably not. Hopefully not. But, right, you use your neck to position your, your, your gaze, like right now, so I'm using my neck, and if, you, and if your neck is firmly attached to your body, you have to turn your whole body, which is okay, too. There's nothing wrong with that. But we have this beautiful thing, it's called a neck, which, we're called, which, which helps us to turn our gaze. And so, go ahead and use your neck in a spiritual sense, and let's turn our gaze away from all the things that want to take our attention. Amen? Come on. God gave you a neck. Use it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm laughing my own joke. And if my wife was here, she would have laughed, and then I would have felt happy about myself. Okay. To look is to lust. That's in Matthew chapter 5. So we're going to continue on. Okay. Now, um, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, talking about sexual sin or lust, Paul is, um, is speaking to one of his spiritual sons, and he tells him, he says, now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And I'm going to pause that for a minute. I'm going to tell you there are certain um, scriptures that talk about us resisting certain sins, but when it comes to lust, and I'm speaking to everyone, especially men, the scripture tells us not to withstand it, not to, not to gird up yourself. It says run. There's some fights that you can overcome, and there's some fights you don't need to fight. And when it comes to, it comes to this, friends, flee, run, get away from it. Because if, you, if, you're, if you're giving, if you're like, I can, I can, no, <laughs> no. The, most, the, the strongest man in the Bible, the strongest man in the Bible was not strong enough. Come on. 
What's that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Because what happens is, and this is why I believe it's, and we're going to get into that pure heart thing um, in, in just a minute, but the whole reason is because lust, actually what it does is it corrupts our heart. It corrupts the purity of our heart. And so that's why we do our best to run from it. And I'm going to tell you guys, there's a lot of heroes in the Bible, and I'm going to say probably my top one is Jesus, obviously, and my, top, my second top, Joseph. Genesis chapter 39, because he did what the strongest man couldn't do. And it just kind of, so I'll uh, give you a little bit of a, a background here. Joseph was a manservant in Potiphar's uh, house. Um, he was, give, he was uh, I guess he was brilliant at, at um, overseeing stuff and keeping things where they, so, so he became the top servant in Potiphar's house. The scripture says that, that basically he handed everything over to, uh, Potiphar handed everything over to Joseph, said, said you're, such, you're so good at this hand this over, right? So, I mean, if you same thing, you know, in your marriage, like if your wife is excellent with money, you hand that, that check, paycheck, the checkbook over to her, right? If, if, if it's, or vice versa, you know, or whatever, however it is, you know, whatever. So he is given in charge over everything. He's doing all this. He's doing all this. And the scripture says that he was good looking. He was young, he was buff, and he was good looking. And it says in verse 11, it says, now it happened one day. And so this woman, okay, pause here for a minute. So this woman, who's Potiphar's wife, that's all they say. They didn't give her a name. This is called her Potiphar, Potiphar's wife. She's coming after Joseph day in and day out. And she's saying, let's have sex. Let's have sex. Let's have sex. So here, let's come, out, let's come on the, the picture right here in verse 11. It says, now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work, right? He's about his business. And none of the people of the household, none of the, excuse me, none of the people of the household was there inside. Verse 12, so she grabbed him by his garment, saying, sleep with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. Now, I'm going to tell you, and, and, and we're going to bring a comparison uh, to this verse to another, another comparison that happens. So, so she physically grabbed him by the shirt. And I could see her pulling him towards her bedroom. And he could have been easily, no one's here. Fine, this woman's been bothering me all this time. Let's just do it. It said he fled. You know what? In the scripture, it actually, he says what he tells, he tells her. He says, he says uh, talking about Potiphar, he said, my master has withheld nothing from me other than you. And he says this. He said, how can I do this? And he says this beautiful thing. He says, how can I sin against my God in this manner? This is why he's my hero, because he didn't have a wife, right? He didn't say, how can I sin against my wife in this manner? How can I sin against my children in this manner? He said, how can I sin against my God in this manner? This is a hero, friend. This is, I'm telling you, if you need a hero in the Bible, a man that can do what Samson couldn't. Come on, amen. Joseph, and he fled. He didn't stick it around. He ran. He, he take my shirt. And he fled. Look at your neighbor say, run, baby, run. run baby. 
Come on, that's it. Run, baby, run. You got to run. You got to run. In contrast, in second, and I don't have this up on the screen. In contrast, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, you have a man, his name is David, who the scripture describes him as a man after God's own heart. When he looks out from his balcony, he sees this woman bathing outside. Her name was Bathsheba, and she was another man's wife, and she was washing herself. He saw her. He wanted her. He took her. He had sex with her, he impregnated her, and then he killed her husband. In contrast, and everybody wants to be like David. Friends, I want to be like Joseph. (laughs) When it comes to character, yes, I do. Come on, someone. And David is the one that everybody, right, everybody wants to be like. He wrote all the Psalms. And, and I'm not, again, I'm not, in no way am I, am, I, am I like down-talking David because David is inside every person to look after somebody and then go after them. Right? I, I'm not exempt, neither is anyone in here. Don't ever put anybody on a pedestal. I've had many people whom, whom I have considered spiritual fathers and mentors who have fallen sexually and destroyed their marriage, and destroyed their ministry, and destroyed my heart, broke my heart. Okay, you guys keep, we're going we're gonna to give you three points. Ready for these points? All right, so we got to fight this thing, not feed it. Lust, say, I got to fight it. Say, lust, I got to fight it. Come on, let's say that again. Let's say it with some authority. Say, lust, I got to fight it. You got to fight against it. So how are we going to fight this? Friends, in order for us to fight it, there's some things we need to do. Friends, number one, friends, we need to guard our eyes. Guard our eyes. Remember that whole thing I talked about, neck? (laughs) It is a choice. Come on. You can choose to look or you can choose to turn away. I love this. I love what Job says in uh, chapter 31, verse 1. He says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. He made a covenant with his eyes to not look lustfully. And when I was driving to church today, I I was reminded, and I didn't put this in there, but I was reminded of Psalm 101. Because I was like, I know there's a scripture we talked about not setting any vile thing before his eyes. And it's Psalm 103, and, and I was like, is it Psalm 103? No, that's the one that says you'll cast the east as far as west. And so Psalm 101, it says, I will sing of your steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house, verse 3. It says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the works of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. And so he's saying, I'm not going to put anything in front of my eyes that's going to pervert me. Because friends, there are tons of things that want to pervert our heart and, and, and uh, make our hearts unpure. And it's through the windows of our soul. Amen. And this is why Jesus said, he said, if you look at a woman with lust, he said, you've committed adultery in your heart because it's a corruption of your heart. It may not be a corruption of your actions and of your flesh, but then it corrupts our heart. And friends, and, and no one is exempt. That's why we all have to fight it. So we have to do our very best to guard the eyes, which are the windows of our soul. And we need to just use our necks, <laughs> turn away as best as we possibly can. Maybe you can. Maybe you can do like what Job did, where he said, I made a covenant. 
to say, hey, look, I'm not going to look at anything that is going to be perverted. And friends, and this is the thing, friends, if you have to, if you, this includes everything, social media, movies, pictures, blah, 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 all the stuff, right? Close your eyes, turn your head, click away, turn it off. Let me say that again. Let me say it again. Close your eyes, turn your head, click away, turn it off. I've had to turn off, I've had to turn off shows a lot. Like, oh, nope. <laughs> no, thank you. Because I know where, where if, I, if I feed that thing, I know it may, oh, well, it's okay. I'm just going to get, then what it does is it turns and it trickles into snowballs. And then I'll find myself going farther. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. No, thank you. I'm good. So number one, friends, guard your eyes. Number two, friends, we got to guard our mind. That's where the fight is. Right? Don't let your mind go there. Look at your neighbor say, don't let your mind go there. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, I love this. He talks about us actually taking every thought captive, making it obedient to Christ. You got to take that thought and you got to capture it. And I'm going to tell you, friends, I'm going, to absolutely, I'm going to tell you with transparency, on a daily basis, listen to me, look at me, on a daily basis, I take thoughts captive. That's the only way I can walk in victory, taking thoughts captive, saying, nope, in the name of Jesus, because I'll have the most bizarre thoughts. My wife and I, we were having this conversation a few days ago, and we were talking about some different things. She was like, and I was, you know, she was telling me some of the stuff that she, you know, has thoughts about or whatever. And then I was telling her some of the thoughts I have stuff about. She was like, you be having the craziest thoughts. I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> like, like, you just got to take those thoughts. Just because it's a thought doesn't mean it's sin. Okay? Now, you can choose to dwell on that. You can choose to act on that. You can choose to pursue that. Or you can say, shut up, devil. And I've done that a lot. And I may look like a fool, but I don't care. That's how I'm going to stay where I need to stay. I, and, you know, and a lot of times it's like, and I told you guys, like, like in my car, I'm driving, I'm doing my thing. And then, you know, and I'm just minding my own business. And sometimes I'll be like listening to music and, and then all of a sudden thoughts will pop into my head and I'll be like, shut up, devil. And just keep driving. You're a liar. Shut up. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Ain't having it. <laughs> Philippians, yeah, he is on fire. He wants me to be on fire. No, thank you. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, uh, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is honorable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, and that's what I do. That thought comes into my head. I say, shut up, devil. I rebuke you. And then I just start saying, Lord, I love you. And I start putting my brain and thoughts into a position where I'm thinking about the Lord, because he's the only one that I know that's pure, that's lovely, that's admirable, that's excellent, and that's praiseworthy. I just bring the Lord right into my thoughts. Okay, Jesus, here, come on. You see your son, minding his own business, devil over here trying to trip him up. Guard your mind. So friends, number one, we got to guard our eyes. Number two, we got to guard our mind. We got to keep our mind and our thoughts clean because a thought can lead to a desire, which can lead to an action, and that action will lead to death. It gives us that progression in, in uh, James chapter one. Number three, and finally, friends, we need to guard our heart. Guard our heart. So friends, guard our eyes. Turn your head. Guard your mind. Take that thought captive. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. 
Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this. It says, it says in the New International Version, it says, above all else, guard your what? Heart. Heart. Because our action usually comes from our passion. Let me say this again. Our action comes from our passion. And if you have a thought, and that thought, and you continue to dwell on that thought, that thought will become a passion, and that passion will be acted on. So it says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Another translation says, for it is the wellspring of life. That's interesting, isn't it? The wellspring of life. Lust wants to corrupt our purity. Psalm 24, verse 3 through 4. It says, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand by his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. So friends, this is the thing. Lust wants to perverse and, and, uh, and cause impurity into our heart because the pureness of our heart is how we're going to see the Lord. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Clean hands and a pure heart. Come on. Clean hands is what we do. Pure heart is, is what's inside. Two more verses, then we're going to close here. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says this. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So what happens if you don't have a pure heart? You ain't going to see him. I want to see the Lord, friends. So we need, to, we need to guard our heart. We need to protect our heart. We need to, we need to keep this thing. We've got to fight this thing on a daily basis, friends, right? Come on. Right? I told you this. My wife had a nice little soft little message last week. So happy. And I knew this one was going to be a kind of a, a little bit of a ringer here. Last verse, the last few verses here, and I love this. Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11. This is one of the first scriptures I've ever memorized, and I highly, 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 highly encourage you to memorize these verses, these three verses. Memorize them, get in them, get them in your heart. Because it's for me as a as a young when I was 20-some years old or well, teenager, I was like 18, 19 years old when I came to Christ. And this was the first verse that somebody encouraged me to memorize. And I would meditate on this over and over and over again. I'm telling you, this is amazing. It says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Another I've got I've got it memorized in multiple ways. Another one says, by taking heed according to your word. Another translation will say, by living according to your word. I tell you, man, this is like this is like on my heart right here. It says, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commands. Let me not wander. Let me not stray. Let me not go to the wayside. And then verse 11, it says, for I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Okay? By taking heed according to your word, your word I have hidden, another translation, hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word I've hidden, your word I've stored up that I might not sin against you. So friends, in order to completely fight and not feed lust, we got to store, we got we to gotta hide, we got to meditate on his word. It's got to be inside there. How did Jesus defeat the enemy when, when Satan was tempting him? It didn't say that, that Jesus wasn't tempted. When you look it up, it says Jesus was tempted. It wasn't just like it was a fleeting thought and he just like brushed it off like. Tsk. It says he was led into the wilderness and was tempted 
That means, what's a temptation? It's a desire to do. Temptation isn't sin. You act on it, right? And what was the temptation? The temptation was to jump off a cliff, bow before Satan, do all that other stuff, right? Turn stone to bread. And so, friends, just because you're tempted doesn't mean that you're in error or you're in sin. But, friends, come on. We got to guard our heart. That's how we're going to do our best to continue to resist sin. Say, in the name of Jesus, I will continue to resist sin. Father, we just thank you for your word today, God. We thank you for your, your amazing, amazing word, God. I just thank you for all of these incredible people that are in here today. And Lord, we're not uh, any better than anyone, Lord. That's, that is not the case. God, we're all fighting this fight together. We're all in this battle together. We're all in this this thing together. Lord, I just thank you, Father. As, we, as we've been talking about the oldest tricks, Lord, maybe there's been a subject matter that hits home more than others. And Lord, and if this topic today, God, if this is something that uh, challenges and inspires or, or brings conviction to any hearts in this place, Lord, we right now, we choose to say, God, I, I surrender to you. Let's just do it right now, right where you're sitting. Just say, Father, I surrender to you. <laughs> I surrender the lust of my eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. All of those things want to trip me up. All of those things are of the world. All of those things are the things that the enemy attacks each and every Christian. But Lord, I want the love of the Father in my life. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray even today, God, that you would give me accountability in my life. God, give me accountability. God, would you just place, uh, God, uh, people in positions of my life that can encourage, inspire, challenge, and that also that I can be real with, Lord. And Lord, and if I don't have that, then I pray that, God, that you would highlight somebody in my life that can be that for me, and that maybe I can be that for someone else, so that we can inspire and encourage and sharpen each other, as the scripture says, iron sharpens iron. God, would you build a sisterhood? God, would you build a brotherhood? God, of true uh, God, uh, sons and daughters who love each other and love you, and God, that, that are willing to stand and fight with each other. Because we all want to continue to fight against lust in every facet of our life. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Ready for the blessing? After that, bless me, <laughs> right? <laughs> Friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. Keep you, keep you, guard you, protect you. Fight for you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Come on, just, yep. The radiance of his face, the illumination of his face. The Lord be gracious unto you. The great graciousness of our Father and our King and our Redeemer and our Lover. The Lord turn his face towards you. The Lord turn his attention, his affection towards you. May you know that you're loved, you're treasured, you're cared for. He's fighting with you and for you. And may he give you peace. May anxiety seize. <laughs> may may, may the, the busyness that, that wants to uh, 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 overload our heart and, and overload our, uh, the stress, God, may that, may that be eliminated by the peace of God in our life. That we can carry all those loads without all of that stuff. The Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and may he give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.